turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. The book of Hebrews does not name its author. Many of the epistles and the books of the Bible mention the author. There are some who believe that Barnabas wrote this or one of the other men of God. Almost unbroken tradition through the years has ascribed this book to the Apostle Paul. And one of the reasons his name is not mentioned, he wrote it to the Hebrews or the Jewish people who had come to Christ. And he is pointing out that Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He's better than the Old Testament uh, covenant. And uh, because Paul had preached the gospel by grace through faith, many of the Jews in Jerusalem, even those who had somewhat embraced the Christian faith, didn't like Paul. They were called Judaizers. And everywhere Paul went, whether it was Galatia or Corinth or Athens or... Uh, Laodicea, wherever he went, they would send, quote, their truth squad, end quote. Now, those of you who are new in the political arena would not understand what that means. A number of years ago, when a political candidate was running, the other party would run a truth squad into that same city and try to straighten things out. Well, that's what the Judaizers did. They tried to make it clear that you're saved through Christ, but, and that but included a whole lot of things. You had to tithe, you have to become a Jew, so you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the Jewish law, and all those things. And Paul wrote many of his epistles to refute this. Matter of fact, they called the Jerusalem Conference in Acts chapter 15 to deal with this very thing. And it was settled once and for all that people can be saved by grace through faith, nothing added, nothing subtracted. And still there are people like the Judaizers who are adding to this grace through faith many, many other things. Now after a person is saved, there are certain standards that we ought to follow. But a person is not saved by standards. He is not saved by quitting a bunch of things or doing some other things. He's saved totally by grace through Christ. And that's what this chapter is about. That's what the whole book is about. So we begin in chapter 1. There are 14 verses. Let me read this and then comment on it briefly. God, who at sundry times and divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also... He made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, 
he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. They shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I want you to notice several things, at least three in this chapter. Number one, God has spoken by the prophets. The first verse says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now those prophets were Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, and on and on and on. And God spoke through the prophets. That's the reason they were able to say, the word of the Lord came to me saying. And you read that over and over again through the prophets of the Old Testament. God spoke through the prophets. That was very, very important. The Old Testament is filled with the message of God from the prophets. Very, very important. We need not overlook that. We need to read it for our exhortation. But look at verse two. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now keep in mind, God made the worlds by Jesus. In John chapter one, without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is God. Now, the Mormons do not believe that. They believe there, there are three gods. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three different and so on. They do not believe in the Trinity. Now, the Muslims don't believe that Jesus is God. They think he was a great prophet, just like the Jews do, but they don't believe he's God. They, matter of fact, they think we're blasphemous to say that God the Father had a son named Jesus. They say Allah is God and Allah has no son. So we know that Allah and the Lord God, Jehovah, are not the same. And when people try to tell you that, just remember, they don't know the scripture. They don't understand the scripture. So in verse two, he says, God has spoken to us in his last days by his son. And that's the final revelation. There is no revelation after that. The final revelation is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. And that's what the New Testament is about. Now notice in verse three and uh, four, there are seven things mentioned about Jesus. Number one, he's the brightness of God's glory. Number two, he is the express image of God's person. Number three, he upholds all things by the word of his power. 
Number four, he purged our sins. Number five, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Number six, verse four, he has made so much better than the angels. Number seven, he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Then the author of Hebrews goes into sort of a, a, a conversation or a dialogue asking questions. He says, for unto which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He said, God the Father didn't say that to the angels. He just said it to his son. So we're told not to worship angels. Now we're living in an age when people have angels all over everywhere. You probably have an angel in your home. If we properly understand what an angel is, doubtless many of us have met angels. Years ago, Roy Rogers' wife, Dale Evans, wrote a book called Angel Unawares. She talked about a little child that came into their home, handicapped. And she said, God sent this child as an angel unaware. And the little child taught us many, many things. And we grew closer to the Lord because God sent that little one into our home. Now she was not trying to teach that that child was an angel. What she was saying is that child was God's messenger to her. The word angel, angelos in the original, means messenger. Now sometimes that messenger was a angelic being from heaven. Many times in the Old Testament, that messenger was the pre-incarnate Christ called a theophany. The second person of the Trinity came and spoke to people in the Old Testament. Now, many times angels are messengers to us. Sometimes they're human beings. Have you had an angel minister to you? You ever had a time when some person met a special need in your life? They didn't want anything in return. They were not trying to do you a favor. They just felt an impression from God to do something kind and good and gracious for you. And it met a need. That was an angel unawares, a human being. Nonetheless, an angel, a messenger of God. There are two kinds of angels. One are heavenly beings, the other are human beings. And both fulfill that role. But remember, Jesus is not an angel. Sometimes we use colloquially, well, I'm no angel. By that we try to mean, well, I'm not perfect or I'm, I'm not a goody-good or I'm not Mr. Goody-two-shoes or whatever. Uh, that really is... Uh, not a good thing to say. We all need to be angels to each other. We need to meet each other's needs. Go out of our way to do that. But nonetheless, understand that Jesus is not a created being. He was with the Father from the very beginning. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God all three in one. And so what he is saying here is Jesus is not a created being. He is not an angel like that. Look at verse 7. He makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, that's not, he's not talking about Jesus here. He's talking about angels. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. 
He's magnifying Jesus here. He is saying Jesus is way, way more than the angels. He is better than the angels. Verse 9, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens and the works of thine hands. If you read it carefully, you see he's talking about Jesus. Thou shalt, they shall perish, all the works of thine hands, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall never fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That's what angels are. They're ministers of, of, to minister to people that are saved. Angels are God's created beings, not Jesus, but angels are God's created beings who minister to those who are saved. Now, sometimes those angels are created beings by God, heavenly beings. Sometimes they're human beings. And so you and I need to take our place as someone who can be a minister of God to somebody else. As a matter of fact, when we get saved, all of us are ministers. That's the reason in the economy of God, there's no difference between, we, we don't call, now some people don't understand this, but we don't call our preachers reverend. Now the, un, un, the unknowing people do that. Every once in a while somebody calls me, is this the reverend? I say, no, you got the wrong number. You don't have a reverend here. Well, who are you? I said, I'm a preacher. I'm just a servant, sinner saved by grace. Who are you? <laughs> you see, there's no such thing as clergy and laity. All of us are ministers. As ministers, all of us need to give out the gospel to others. All of us need to minister to each other's needs. That's one of the great blessings of a church. When someone has a need, we all have that need and we try to minister to that person who has a need. There are not two classes. That's the reason <laughs> you can't expect more from the preacher than you do from the people that sit in the pew. I'm sure you've heard on the radio all this uproar about Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett was the Secretary of Education. He was a godly man. He wrote a book called something about virtues. And then they discovered, I don't know who discovered this, they discovered he gambled. And boy, they've been giving it on the radio. How many of you have heard that on the radio? You couldn't listen to the radio without knowing. I guess on television too. Anyway, they're really putting him down. Well, I don't think he ought to have gambled. But what's the difference in him gambling and somebody else gambling? Now listen, you won't like this. What's the difference in the preacher smoking and the people in the pew smoking? There's not a double standard. We're all ministers of God. Therefore, it behooves us to be holy. And when we miss that holiness, and who doesn't? All of us do. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do we do about it? We repent. 
Repentance is a doctrine that was written for Christians as well as the unsaved. And we need to repent every day. Recommit our lives to Christ every day. It isn't necessary to walk down an aisle every day or every service and rededicate our lives. But sometimes it's, it's wise to do that. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's helpful. But every one of us needs to have a time with God every day in which we say, Lord, I missed the mark today. I've been sitting on the bench and I'm sorry, I want to get back in the game. I want to go on for God. He maketh his ministers spirits and his angels, they're ministers of God. And you and I are that. But Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is the Lord God of all eternity. He was co-creator with the world. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the question tonight is, have you put your trust in Jesus? Do you know him as your Savior and Lord? Let's stand and have a word of prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God in all of its power and authority. We pray that you'll help us to digest what you say in your word. And may we magnify Jesus by our lives, by our lips, by our praise, by our service, by our giving, by our tithing, by our soul winning, by our very lifestyle. Help us to love you with all there is within us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to find number, the I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. And we're going to sing that in a minute. Somebody tell us what page it is. I am resolved. And we don't want to sing it like we're at a funeral. We want to sing it big and, and vibrant. I am resolved. What page is it? Page 43? 243. 243. I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight. And as we sing this tonight, let's sing it from our hearts and big Brother Eric, you come and lead us in this. Will you do that? I am resolved no longer to linger. Now, 243, if God has spoken to your heart about any matter, do what he tells you to do. It may be you need to recommit your life to Christ or just come and kneel at the altar. And friend, if you're not saved, I, ple I plead with you, come to Christ tonight. Trust him as your personal Savior and Lord. Will you do that while we sing together?